It is so good to see so many here this morning. Uh, Mark, you won. I put the over under at 150. He took the over, I took the under, and we're at 155. So I don't know who those five of you are. But I know there's been a lot of, you know, concern and a lot of things going on in our world around us. And I just, I hope you feel the same way I do. I feel blessed to be here this morning. I feel uplifted and I feel encouraged. And I know that most of you, you know, our regulars, you know, this was supposed to be, I promised you last week that we were going to end 1 John today. I lied. Not intentionally. In fact, until about 6.30 this morning, I had every intention of doing our review and wrap up of 1 John. But then I, I just started thinking about all that was going on in our world. And all the concern and all the frustration and, and everything. And I thought, you know, we need to know how we ought to act. We need to know what we ought to believe. And I, uh, you know, I know this will shock some of you, but, but you know, I spend a, a, a great deal of time preparing my lesson and figuring out, you know, what it's going to be and, and trying to fit it within a certain time frame. So I'm just letting you know right now, this lesson has not been vetted for time. So it may be 15 minutes, it may be an hour and a half. I know what you're hoping for, okay? If those are the two choices. But I just thought that it was important to to talk about this a little bit. You know, it's a little scary, especially for those who are in the high-risk categories. I was talking to my mother, and I said, do you realize, you you know, you check off about five of those high-risk categories. You know, you're, you're in all of them. It's widespread panic and hoarding. We've seen the, the pictures and the stuff of the, you know, supermarket shelves with no toilet paper. And I don't get that. I just don't understand the, the world's coming into it to an end, but I want toilet paper, but okay, you know, whatever, right? I, I'm not sure I grasp that. Uh, but all these things that are going on and we've got all kinds of different news and, and coming in from every different kind of aspect. And I've seen on Facebook and other places Things that have said, how should Christians respond to this threat, to this crisis? And I think as Christians, our response should be, we should, our response be in the face of troubling times, whether it be the current health and financial crisis or natural disasters or war or pestilence or famine or all the possibilities that are going on there. We do have a response. And so that's what I wanted to share with you this morning is a few things that that, that came to me that I think are important for us to remember. And first of all, it's important to remember that troubling times are to be expected. Go ahead, Joe. You know, it is. I hate that, don't you? Don't we? Somewhere in our minds get the idea that God has told us that he is going to protect us, that he is going to shelter us, that he is going to be there for us. And so we interpret that to mean that we are not going to have difficult times. 
And Jesus told his disciples, you're going to have troubles in this life. And over and over again, Paul talks about the difficulties and the trials and the troubles. And what does James say? Count it all joy. When you face all kinds and various trials and tribulations. James, 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 really. That's a little overboard. Tolerate it when you have trials and tribulations. Endure it when you have trials and tribulations. But be joyful in it. James said, oh yeah. Because it is through that testing that your faith becomes stronger. And Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. You're always going to have the poor with you. And all the, Jesus promised that there were going to be trials and tribulations in this world. And remember last week's lesson, those of you that were here. Satan is the God of this world and this age. The consequences of sin wreaks its havoc, not just on individual lives, but nations and nature itself. Why do we have coronavirus? Why do we have tornadoes and floods? Why do we have all these different things? Because we live in a world that is under the consequence of sin. From the very beginning, after the fall, this world has been under the consequence of sin. Paul says in Romans that even nature, even creation groans Because of the consequence of sin. So we do live in this world and God has not said that he is going to pluck his people out of this world. In fact, Jesus said you're in the world. Just don't be of the world. Remember when he says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Well, see, we look at that as the positive, right? But the flip has to be true. Tornadoes happen to the just and unjust. So we need to understand and know that troubling times are to be expected. Second, so, so my point is don't be shocked, right? Don't, don't, don't be shocked when things come up. Secondly, we need to remember that God is in control ultimately. One of our favorite psalms, is it not? Not that favorite psalm, because I know what you're thinking. No, it's not that one. It's the other one. Not 23, but 46. Listen carefully. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at daybreak. Nations are in uproars. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth, breaks the bow and shadows the spear. He burns the shield with father. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now we love that verse, that, that psalm, but don't we wish it would stop after the first part of verse 2? Let me, let me read it to you again. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Period. Just end it there. But no. The writer says, even though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the sea and all these horrible things are going on. Remember point one, right? Point one. In the middle of all these things. God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in times of trouble. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's just stop that one right there. But he goes on. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give up those things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding from us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice he did not say that there wouldn't be hardships or troubles or those kinds of things. He said those things cannot separate us from the love of God. Isn't that great? It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what is happening. It doesn't matter how dire it seems. It cannot separate us from the love of God. And so we, we can have a hope. We can have a confidence. We can have a joy when the rest of the world is just losing their minds and going berserk. Because we have faith and we have hope and we know That this is not it. This is not the end. God has promised that he will eventually, after being patient with man as long as he can, but he will eventually right everything. 
And for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are faithful to him, he is going to take them home to be with him to a place where there is no more viruses. And there is no more sickness and death and decay and dying and tears and sorrow. Man, don't we long for that place? You know, the more this goes on, the more I, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm ready for that. Let me have a piece of that. And God is faithful to us that he is going to take us home. God is for us. Satan, the world, the consequence of sin cannot touch our soul or come between us and God's love or his promises or his grace. Now, point number three is worry achieves nothing. Worry achieves nothing. Now, we all know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, talking about worry. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his power and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow. Maybe we ought to put that on our refrigerator for a while. Jesus is very clear that we should not worry about those things that are out of our control. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Peter says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. Always? You mean like always, always? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you were wondering what I was talking about, I'll say it again. I added that in parentheses. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, we ultimately leave it in God's hands. Jesus was very clear, don't worry about the things that you have no control over. 
Peter says, cast all your cares on him. Paul says, with prayer and petition and everything, you make your request known to God. And then the peace, which transcends all understanding, will cover you. Now, does that mean that we don't care about things? No, it doesn't. You know, I think a lot of the the 12-step programs, Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, you know, and I've seen the serenity prayer. And it says, help me to change the things in my life that I can change, accept the things in my life that I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. I probably botched that, but that's basically it. And I kind of think that that's where we ought to be. Those things that we have no control over, those things that we cannot change, those things that we, you know, don't worry about those. We leave them in God's hands. Now, are there things that we do control to some extent, things that we can change, things that are within our own uh, doing? Then we ought to do that if we have the opportunity. Which leads me to point number four, which is we should act responsibly. I was a little, I don't know what disturbed is the word, but I, I recoiled a little bit from some of what I saw on Facebook and other, you know, places that seemed to give the idea that because we are Christians, we don't worry about anything. We don't, we don't have to protect ourselves we don't have to be you know we don't have to do this or we don't have to do that and we can just go out and and you know i'm just going to trust god really i don't think that's what these verses are saying does that mean that as christians we ignore the advice of medical professionals do we throw caution into the wind and simply say well i'm going to trust god Well, there's a few reminders that I want us to think about. Many of the Old Testament laws were for the protection and the safety of the community. They were hygienic laws. We're we're most accustomed to the, the, the laws about leprosy, right? You know, if a person was found to be with leprosy, they were put outside of the community and they were kind of ostracized. Was that because they were bad people? Well, was that because they were wicked or evil? No, it was to protect the rest of the community and keep them healthy. God understood that. And there's a lot more laws like that. Why do you think it was a prohibition against touching a dead body? I don't think it was so much because it was a dead body, but because of disease and things like that. And God was protecting his people. And so I believe when we look at the Old Testament, we see that. Laws concerning communicable diseases and things like that. And remember in Matthew chapter 4. This is what really got me thinking this week. Matthew chapter 4. I'll get there. This is the temptation of Jesus after he's been baptized and he goes into the desert and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan comes to him 
And you remember the first temptation that Satan gives him is, you know, because he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, you know, it is written, thou shalt not live by bread alone. Okay? Make a good part of a song, you know, along with that seek ye first thing. Never mind. And then the second temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, Satan says, cast yourself down because God said, trust me. God said, I'll take care of you. But Jesus said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus' response to not test God is a lesson, I believe, on personal responsibility. You know, I do we trust God? Sure we trust God. Am I going to lay down on the train track and say, I'm going to trust God to take care of me? That is irresponsible. That is irrational. And that's a good way to get yourself killed. Did Satan, 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 he quoted scripture. Paraphrasing the scripture, just trust God. Trust God. But Jesus said, yeah, there's a difference between trusting God and tempting God. There's a difference between trusting God and being irresponsible. There's a difference between trusting God and doing and being reckless, as it were. Paul addressed those who were looking for the second coming. You remember that in Thessalonians? Those, those people who, who, who absolutely believed that Jesus was coming back like now. And some of them believed it was so imminent that they just shut off from life. They quit their jobs. You know, they, they, they did it and they just, they basically sat on their roof just waiting for Jesus to come back. You remember what Paul said about those folks? If they don't work, they shouldn't eat. You can't just sit there and say, well, I'm going to trust God to take care of me. No, there's personal responsibility involved. And so I think it's important that as individuals uh, that we do the things that we can to keep safe, to, to not create more of a, uh, a problem than there is. You know, that's part of being good neighbors too. Part of being a, uh, a part of the community. And so, you know, but this idea that, well, I'm just going to, Trust God to the extent of I'm going to throw all caution in the wind and all responsibility in the wind and I'm just going to be reckless and I'm going to go against all medical advice and this and that and I'm just going to go out there and, you know, God will take care of me. I'm going to trust God. To me, 
That's kind of like saying, I'm going to jump off the temple and rely on God's promise to take care of me. Now, we don't put God to the test when we do that. And fifthly, we encourage one another. You remember, uh, it was, it was kind of sad because I brought this up in the high school class this morning and realized that <clears throat> the only two that were alive then were babies. But I was talking about 9-11. And you remember the community atmosphere and patriotism and, and helping and service that, the, that there was for, for one another briefly during that time following 9-11. You know, that's what the church family is about all the time. All the time. Because as we look out, somebody is always going through a personal tragedy. Somebody is always going through trials and tribulations. We may not know it. We may not see it. They may not tell us about it. But, but it, it's out there. It happens. Now we've got our whole world and society and community dealing with this you know, virus and everything that's going on here. We need to encourage each other. Build each other up. Be there for each other. Serve one another when we have the opportunity to do that. So I just wanted to share those thoughts with you this morning. Well, it wasn't 15 minutes, but it wasn't an hour and a half either. Uh, and just offer us all a word of encouragement and offer some thoughts as to how should Christians respond to a situation like this? There are going to be troubling times, and it's to be expected, but they are not overpowering times. Because no matter what it is, it cannot separate us from God's love. God is in control ultimately, and nothing can separate us from Him. Worrying achieves nothing about those things we have, we have no control over. And we do act responsibly. I think that's a Christian duty as well. And we encourage one another. If you're here this morning and we can help or encourage you, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. 
Grace and peace be with you always.